Hi, I'm Rob. Hello, I'm Dave. We've got the same dad. But we didn't meet until I was about 30. Which means we've got a hell of a lot of listening to catch up on. Eons. So this is the podcast where... We share an album that... Your... Your... Brother... Brother... Should... Know! We've done better. We have, but it'll, it'll do. Uh, good morning, evening, or afternoon, listeners. Uh, we're here today to talk about Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple, an album that I'm very excited to share with my dear, long, and somewhat lost brother. When we first proposed this podcast, it was uh, one that was already on my list. It's only three and a half years old as we discuss it, um, but I feel like it's already gone down as something of a modern classic, and it's certainly an album that's been talked about, and a lot of people have found a lot of solace in, and I personally have returned to time and time again over the past oof, 44 months or whatever it's been. Uh, I can't wait to hear Dave's reaction. I've, everything tells me this is one that he's going to love, because everything about it is what I feel that we've got to bond over when we've discussed music. Um, personal lyrics, irreverence, just a complete tearing up idiosyncrasy of the rule book. Uh, surely this is something you you adored, Dave. Oh dear, um, I couldn't get on with it, I, and 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 I spent the You're last kidding. really, really, really couldn't out of out of the. Uh, we've done, you know, you presented three. Now this is the fourth. This is by a long way the, under the pile of those. And that's a real shame, I know, because, and I found myself, I've spent more time working out why it is that I don't like it than probably listening to it. Well, because I find listening to it just a, not a very rewarding experience. But, but I spent a long time just trying to get my head round how it is that every reviewer has given it 10 stars. The, the internet. I mean, is, nine and a half here and there. Yeah. You know, but the internet is full of people telling me that this is, something that means a huge amount to them that they've connected with that has empowered them all of those which is great and 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 brilliant but i couldn't get hold of it for a moment i i actually found it really difficult to listen to so i don't know where you want to start with that well i'm frankly quite flabbergasted and i've i, I can't pretend i'm a little bit disappointed mm. but i do think you you've hit onto a very personal point there yeah this this album arrived at what I wouldn't want to call an opportune moment, but it did arrive at a certain moment in history. Sure. Um, and I do think a lot of people jumped on the title track, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, right? Mm-hmm. And it dropped in April 2020 when we were all stuck at home. Mm-hmm. And this claustrophobic sense that the, the music and the lyric conjures, it was a record that a lot of people, a message rather that a lot of people could jump on. But I also think it's a record that was maybe suited to that moment in time because it's one that rewards repeated listening. And I'm sorry your own repeated listening didn't didn't delve more, but I, th- I think uh, this this you know this was a relatively mainstream release that was completely left field from what everyone would expect from even a relatively left field artist at that point in their career uh, but people had time to really absorb it and and yeah there was also a lot of socio political issues that were you know sadly quite prevalent in in our culture but it did address at a time when the popular consciousness was certainly yeah, addressing and, them as and, well and, and, and that may have been you know uh, part of it but i i think capturing the zeitgeist is which to me i, I no part of me thinks that this was a was in any way cynical or a considered manipulation of events I, I feel that these are very very honest songs that happen to arise at a moment when people had 
time to listen to them and it happened to tap into a lot of important issues that society was was grappling with but that's only one reason why this is a great album and that's what i, what I want to talk to you more about um because i, I think that yes there, there are some themes here that had a certain prescience in 2020 and sadly still today but i also think that the music itself is so spellbindingly it, it it's rule breaking i mean so many so many uh rules are not just bent and broke they're they're twisted in and out like spaghetti it's it's a real cataclysm of ideas presented in what seems like a completely honest but thrilling way i i i i find the music in i'd say throughout at least three quarters of the album unlike anything i've heard before and thrilling as a result of it and that all comes coupled with these deeply seemingly honest i can only imagine quite personal lyrics that are always very arresting and always saying something and i one thing that i really touched on uh listening to it repeated in the last week or two of preparing for this was and i think in nearly every case if it may perhaps have one or two exceptions whether the lyrics are all seemingly addressed at a particular individual presumably an individual that exists in real life, but not necessarily so. Um, but that intimacy is, to me, something that isn't used in songwriting that much. And when it is, it's very easy to alienate a listener. In this case, it's gripping every time. You might be, uh, you know, uh, arrested, seduced, surprised, provoked, even turned on, whatever, by... But she's addressing someone, and it's not really you, but you're living... You, it, it's a verbal assault on you that paradoxically just flips flips the whole thing around so you're in her shoes uh and it's a great device it's just so hard to get right and I, I feel like that gaze that she projects it's almost like she's taken all the kind of attention all the negative energy that's been projected on her as an artist as a female as a as as someone that suffered with a lot of mental health and uh, other issues and she's projecting that gaze straight back with a real power real authority uh but also a certain a knowing vulnerability and it's 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 just completely compelling and yes at times it's it's very ugly to hear and at sometimes it's joyous to hear and and that's the whole journey of this record and i think it crams so much into such a short space of time and it's the opposite of navel gazing as a result because it's rather than dwelling on any of these negative emotions that we've heard so many songwriters do before she's throwing them straight back at what in most cases is the source of these feelings Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, if ever we've had uh, two very different reactions to an album. So just to, just to start the top, I, I actually had to make a little list for myself of the reasons why I, I couldn't engage in it, you know, and actually it was a list of the reasons it isn't. So to be clear, the, the subject matter, uh, you know, absolutely, you know, the, the subject matter, as you've said, it's things like identity, sexual abuse, toxic masculinity, kind of female to female solidarity or otherwise, ultimately all about having the freedom to express your identity as everybody should. And absolutely, you know, to be clear, no problem with the subject matter at all. It, it, it needs to be sung about, played about, arted about and needs to be discussed in our, in our culture and hopefully our culture can move on in all kinds of ways, uh, around the issues that, that Fiona Apple is dealing with here. So I don't have a problem with the subject matter at all. I, I also don't have a problem with, as you said, the, the lyrics being, you know, with the best one in the world, they're, they're insular and very, very self. And there's a lot of I and me and a lot of her own stories. She even, you know, she even name checks friends of her, Shamika is it, you know, very specific, very personalized de details in a way that for me, and clearly I'm just missing a trick here, but for me, 
didn't have a universality at all. Uh, even, you know, not as a, you know, this kind of anthemic uni- university. It, there isn't, this wasn't, this is not a kind of, you know, a kind of anthemic thing. You know, it's not, it's not Aretha Franklin respect, is it? But it's also for me wasn't kind of, uh, well, I, I almost had a little bet with myself how long I was able to, to, to talk about this without think, without mentioning my, one of my favorite ever albums, uh, Tori Amos's Boys for Pele, which you can, I'm sure, make similarities around. The difference for me is that Tori Amos's lyrics on Boys for Pele, which is ultimately about <laughs> sacrificing a, a number of her exes into a volcano for all kinds of good reasons. Um, the way that she expresses those lyrics, for some reason, I, I, I'm able to tie into um, my own life experiences and feel that they resonate for me. You know, a, a more simpler example, uh, you know, when Alanis Morissette sang about, you know, uh, or you ought to know that hit from years ago, you know, I'm here to remind you, etc. A, a song clearly written from the female perspective, but I'm not the only bloke to, to find that song also a great cathartic experience because in some way the, the lyrics kind of come out of the, of the, of the individual story and you're able to find a link to them. I couldn't find a way in to this world. It didn't mean I think it was, it wasn't an important world for, for, for Fiona Apple and others and things, those things didn't need saying. But for me, I couldn't find an emotional re- resonance with the lyrics at all. Uh, but again, that's not why I couldn't engage in the album. I think we should discuss that a little bit though, because that's okay, sure, actually sure. quite, quite fascinating. And I think, you know, if we're going to, going to get to the bottom mm. of this record and, and why it works, uh, yeah, I, I do think the <laughs> lyrics doesn't. along with the production are, 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 you know, really the most powerful element. Um, my retort to that is, mm. well, let me tell you a story that we may choose to edit out. Okay. For a long time, I felt guilty in my teenage years and perhaps my early 20s reading fiction because I felt that in some sense, even though it was deeply enjoyable, uh, it was in some sense a, a waste of time. It was just something someone made up. I should be reading nonfiction. I should be reading a newspaper. I should be reading a history book. I should okay. be reading something where I will quote unquote learn something. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to interview the great philosopher and thinker and speaker A.C. Grayling. And he was coming to a literary festival, so I obviously had to go to him. You know, you're a, you're a, you're a man of a great intellect and heft, and your time is very valuable. Why on earth would you have read these 58 books to judge in this competition? I think he was judging the book of that year. And he answered so succinctly and so simply, and, and it, it, it was that. It was that the fiction allowed you to inhabit lives and worlds that you could never physically imagine. And mm-hmm. it was so blindingly obvious, I can't believe that I hadn't, really thought of that answer myself because that's clearly what I was doing with fiction and why fiction was so valuable to me and that my brother is why <laughs> this record is is so powerful because unlike you ought to know there's not much in this this album that I can immediately relate to and I'm actually quite thankful for that but mm-hmm. it's certainly allowing me to inhabit a world a body a milieu uh, uh, that I never have and never could and that is precisely why it's exciting well, uh, yes. Like, so just to, just to jump around a little bit under the table, kick, kick mm. me under the table if you want. So it's absolutely right that everybody should be able to speak up for themselves whenever they want to. And that's brilliant. But for me, a piece of music about, um, having to go to a dinner party and speak your mind just didn't feel like a particularly 
resonating anthem for me or something else that you know i mean in a, in a world where there's you know 25 percent of the population live, live you know it lives under poverty and there's a half the half the world is desperately trying to get to the other half of the world because you know and 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 people are being tortured in fgm i i just and, and I'm not saying, and, and you see, you say that, and you say, "Oh, you're just dismissing." It's very. Are it's you really belittling? No, the, no, no. The, I, well, exactly. Yeah. I, what I'm saying is that it's fine. I think it's absolutely brilliant if people are empowered to um, speak their truth by that song. That's brilliant. But for me, I was just like, I don't, I can't really listen to three or four minutes of someone saying, "I'm going to a dinner party and I'm going to speak my mind." Great, excellent for you. That isn't really doing anything. I mean, for me. to be fair, it's free. It's, it's three minutes twenty seconds, and I think it covers a yeah. lot of ground. I think that's again one of the highlights of the album. And again, actually, maybe a moment I can—I I don't want to say relate to because I, there was clearly a gender dynamic at play in this situation she's describing. Sure. But sure, we've yeah. all, we've all been put in situations where we feel uncomfortable and told to shut the fuck up, and uh, and perhaps had a domineering partner, parent, teacher, whatever figure that's trying to prevent us from doing that. And I'm not listing a hierarchy of needs, but, and yes, she's not singing about FGM. She's singing about what she knows. And that, therefore, that's what makes it instantly relatable. And that's what makes it instantly exciting because I feel a little bit like I'm reading, hearing about something that genuinely happened. And the story is so compellingly told. I'm instantly on her side. It's an anthem we can all get behind, but it also paints a picture that's so utterly believable that you're in her shoes. You're in that dinner party. I mean, I love that line about the fancy wine where quell the sizzle this sizzle my fire or whatever you know it's it's like yeah yeah we've been there like you can you can take me somewhere fancy bitch but this is not you know i'm i'm not gonna shut up and be pretty you know like it's, it's sad that that's a statement that he's making in 2020 but if, if tens of thousands of people have found this inspiring and related to it i think that's a sad indictment of our times it also shows how powerful the message was and how well delivered it was no, I, I, I totally, this is, the, this is a really difficult thing to convey because yes, it's absolutely vitally important that anybody in the entire planet, regardless of status, should be able to speak their mind and speak their truth and have freedom of expression. But it does feel a bit first world to be talking about a scenario where it's about wine quelling your fear and you're going to a dinner party. Well, at least, you know, you know, uh, uh, great. Sure. If that's your world, if that's your world and you're being empowered in that world. No, but let me just say, whereas I would yeah. like to just say the minute I first time I heard the the opening line i told you i didn't want to go to this dinner i was like on board because we've all been dragged places like i didn't know how the rest of the story went like i told you i didn't want to go to dinner. you're like this is someone singing about something that is so mundanely real but relatable that i was already pulled in sorry if my life is more larry david than <laughs> well yeah i've got to say it's just you know this is the only song of the album that did this for me because i think the other albums are the subject matter is if you like less less first world but that opening line just made me go oh i'm just not really interested in your dinner problems fiona i don't care if you want to go to a dinner party or not <laughs> you know, the, the world has bigger fish to fry than that so to be clear then um it's not because of the subject matter that I can't get into this album. It's not because actually that subject matter, you know, freedom of expression, yes, but some of the, uh, you know, the fact is this is about uh, a female perspective of, of, of often men being being awful. And I'll, I wouldn't want to pretend to have been on the receiving end of that. So it's not that the subject matter is, isn't is kind of my world, if you like, that I can't that I can't get into this album. And it's not because the lyrics are, are very insular. There are, there are loads and loads of albums that I love that, 
frankly, I, I have no you know emotional lyrical engagement with at all. You know, one of my favourite songs, Neil Young, Cortez the Killer. I have never been dancing across the water with my galleons and men, but I love the song, right? Um, oh, that's, that's, so that's a macho fairy tale fantasy of BS built built around a four minute guitar solo. I mean, you couldn't pick a worse example without perhaps referring to Johnny Ca- Johnny Cash. <laughs> Okay, I'll give you another example. Uh, Alicia Keys, there's a song called Girlfriend on Songs in A Minor. Um, d- let's take a completely different example. The Beatles, Taxman, first al- first song off, off Revolver. People love that album that, and that song, but you know, most people aren't sitting there going, thinking, oh, the biggest problem in my life is the, uh, is the Taxman taking my millions, uh, as millionaire rock stars, but, but people still love it. And the reason. Uh, I, okay, I'm going to disagree there because what are the, what are the, what are the two truths in life? Death and taxes. Everyone hates the tax man. However little you earn, you hate the tax man. We don't need to... Okay, I don't think you need to convince our listeners that you've got a soul. Well, maybe you do, but... (laughs) Maybe I do. Maybe I do. But, okay, take it as given. It is very possible to love music that you're not necessarily... The content doesn't... The the lyrical content mostly doesn't necessarily engage you because it's not your world or they're insular or, or whatever. Ultimately, this is a music album. So ultimately, it's the music that should draw you in. And I do apologise this because I know it's affected a lot of people and I know a lot of people love the album, but I found the music to be incredibly tame, incredibly uninventive, incredibly basic and unimaginative, dull, uh, simplistic, and not at all what I was expecting from from the reviews. Um, but I didn't find the music in any way exciting. I, I I have to turn Ed Sheeran off on the radio because I find it's music for committee, but I would actually prefer to listen to Ed Sheeran than this. I, I, I It was just kind of the, the percussive element was very simplistic, and I know she did it at home, and okay, fine, she bangs some... Sorry, that sounds dismissive. She bangs the spoons together at home, but it wasn't very exciting percussion or rhythmic elements. I, I didn't find any melodies that engaged me. I didn't find much complexity. I found a lot of chanting stuff that went around in circles that again not to bring my kids into it but they do a lot of making up of chants all the time it's endearing but it's not necessarily something i want an album to to listen to and other than that the music was a lot of just kind of stream of consciousness stuff but not very thought through melodically i didn't think not you know stream of consciousness stuff you know like i don't know just to be the old, you know, the old bit like Van Morrison's Astral Weeks and Joni Mitchell's Sajira. They're kind of quite stream of consciousness musical, but it's been thought through and it's got some um, uh, melodies and some engagement musically and some interesting things. And and this stuff, I just, it just, I'm sorry, it left me absolutely cold in, emotionally and intellectually as a as a piece of music. I think it's fascinating how we're clearly listening to two completely different pieces of music um, because. <laughs> There's, there's no way you're hearing what I'm hearing. Uh, I'm hearing music I have never heard before. There's loads going on. I think, I, yeah, there are there are some songs I'll grant you that are reduced to percussive patterns, but there's layers and layers of percussive, inventive percussion that was conjuring something, yeah, deep and tribal and primal, uh, which isn't conventionally seen in you know California bred white pop music frankly uh and it, it's clearly coming from a deep ex- sense of experimentation 
Uh, and, I, and I do love the knowingly amateurishness bits. And, you know, they were left in for a reason. Yeah, it, it does seem like, yeah, the first time you hear a dog bark, sure, that's that's like, oh, isn't that exciting? And you're like, okay, there's a lot of dogs barking. That was clearly semi-deliberate. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, did you have to use the bones of your dead dog? Well, why the hell not if, you've, if that's some kind of cathartic experience for you? And let's face it, it's deeply cathartic music. Uh, it's not just chanting. Her delivery is very, very rhythmic. It borders on rap at times. And... There's a lot of different vocal parts going on, a lot of harmonizing. Um, and I think you're, you're saying that these melodies are, are simple, but look at the delivery, the way the, the words and the melodies and, uh, and the syllables kind of stack up and, and roll off one another. It's, it's to me very unlike songs and they certainly don't all do one thing i think a really good example well okay uh well let's talk about two let's first of all talk about shamika the, the first single i mean that's a particularly exciting piece of music because it obviously starts with this crazy off-kilter piano arpeggio and, and, and it's worth noting that um fiona apple is classically trained and i think that's very evident and every juncture i get the sense that things are diy and things are crude and some things are deliberately very very simplistic or, or not playing by conventional harmonic rules but not because she doesn't know the rules that she's following whatever she's she's breaking what needs to be broken and and delivering music that therefore doesn't just sound like another pop song but yeah the, the best songs on this do develop for a number of different stages and shamika is a really good example because it starts with that crazy off kilter part and then you get the kind of stop start kind of chorus and you, this kind of walking bit that sounds like it could be like a Fats Waller song or something. And then the bit that really gets me is the breakdown. This ties into the lyrics and the melody and the delivery and the music. It's all intertwined. Oh, and I must just, uh, we're talking about lyrics that can put you in a, in a place. Uh, the idea of a kid who's counting, who's counting the second moving with tallies and has done, you know, 60 lines in a, in a minute is incredible. And it, it's just it's that kind of detail that, that shows you the kind of claustrophobia of school that, that I could definitely, definitely relate to. But yeah, the line like, Tony told me he described me as pissed off, funny and warm. Sebastian said, I'm a good man in a storm. So she sings that in the kind mm-hmm. of, you know the breakdown pre-core bit before the show she makes sings, it she's, she's so pleased with it she sings it yeah a- but and then it becomes a refrain where, where she to these things that were once kind of fleeting insults uh she then comes to own like yeah she's pissed off funny and warm she's a good man in a storm and when it's torrential shamika said she had potential I, I, I to me i find that really 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 pretty exciting if that doesn't do it for you uh, it doesn't. I would say if I was asked my highlight of the album, it would be Shamika. But the highlight means it's a, it's one of the songs that's all right. But lyrically, I'm very happy that she seems to have found a resolution around some stuff that happened to her at school. But, you know, well, may, you know, you at least had Shamika saying you had potential. You know, I, there's there's people out there, believe me, bleakly didn't even have a Shamika. Uh, and uh, I I just, yeah, I just thought, like, okay, fine, uh, lovely. You've, you've found, you're getting you're getting rid of some ghosts there from your well, past. Isn't that sad, though, also, to be, to be hanging on to some one piece of, like, positive feedback? Again, you're singing about a situation that is intensely relatable, but doing it in such a personal manner. And I think that's when the music's most powerful. And that's when I would argue that for me, at least, this music has the same power as the most personal cathartic albums that I know. And I relate to it in the same way that I do relate to. You mentioned Hijira, sure. Um, Blood on the Tracks. Even tonight's the night. It's when a, a songwriter has gone so deep into their soul that they're sharing something so personal, but doing it in such a powerfully naked manner that it feels like anyone can, can relate to it. And I haven't found many singer-songwriters, if any, in the kind of modern age that have touched me in that way. Uh, and this record certainly has, you know, at least got close to achieving that level of intimacy. 
Well, you know, and what's weird is I totally agree with you about Blood on the Tracks and Tonight's the Night and Hajira, 100%. Uh, I mean, th- th- that to me is is the album's real real strength, just just painting these moments that are, that are so relatable. I, I love one song that um, that struck me quite hard is, is drum set towards the end, you know, with that refrain. Why did you take it all away? Why did you not want to try? And obviously, I always assumed it was probably about a dude, which is a little bit reductive because not only men play the drums hard. And that's why I thought it was wonderful when I when I learned that this was actually about um, like the drummer and her band. And that really made me question a lot of the lyrics on the album because you can kind of carve it up between those that are addressed at male figures and those who are seemingly addressed often as solidarity of female figures. And obviously there are a couple that are addressed to what appear to be the current or subsequent partners of the songwriter's previous romantic partners. And I find those, again, really effective. Uh, I think newspaper is, is really quite quite special, actually. Um, got any thoughts on that one? <laughs> No, no, I'm a, yeah, no, this is the problem, I think, in that I got through the first four tracks and then genuinely it's been quite hard for me just to distinguish between the relay rack of this newspaper lady's heavy balloon cosmonauts for her drum set when I go. Uh, I, I kind Sounds of, like you didn't do your homework. Well, I really tried, Rob. I really, really, really tried. But what I thought, think for all of them is pretty much the same. I was... Uh, you know, and that's all, and that's the shame of it, isn't it? I, I, I couldn't, couldn't find the musicality that engaged with me. I found some of those tricksy things like the dogs barking, which was so obviously, you know, cut in afterwards, just a bit annoying. And, and I found that the trip, the trope that she had, she sort of found something that she thought was, uh, well, you know, a good line, but kind of just, you know, you sort of, boy, she knew it was a good line because she'd carry on repeating it again. So the, you know, the, re- the relay, evil is a re- re- relay sport when the one who's burnt, turns to pass the torch i heard that enough times by halfway through the song but um but but did you not have to listen to it several times to hear the the list of resentments and to hear how legitimate they were and how not and and then the kicker that she doesn't want to engage in this this hatred because it will just ultimately put her in the endless race right that's that's the whole that's the kicker like we're all victim so it sounds like it's a hate track it sounds like she's just basically letting out all this angst and she is but at the same time she's kind of taking a step back going like i don't want to hate you for being you know presenting your life like a fucking propaganda brochure which is a great line again so i find that you know i I think that's a great song going back to newspaper um it's that great one that's like i wonder what lies he's telling you about me to make sure that we'll never be friends and it's a shame because you and i didn't get a witness we're the only ones who know we were cursed the moment that he kissed us. But then it's followed, and I love this because it's quite a negative kind of like swirling. Again, one of the tribal ones, which, uh, you know, I, some people have said that all this kind of layered primitive percussion is kind of Tom Waitsius, which I'm not going to, you know, deny perhaps, but it's one of those. And then, But then it launches straight into Ladies, which is like this kind of lounge, groovy one, which I kind of think is potentially musically the least interesting thing on the album because it's the most conventional by far. And that's why it's really uh, fascinating to learn it's the one that she didn't write the music for. Um, but it serves as a perfect kind of like um, counterbalance. It's the yin to the yang. It's the sweet after the bitter because it's, you know, it's the it's the kind of what seemingly seems slightly tongue-in-cheek, you know, ladies, 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 that's, you know, basically solidarity. 
Uh, and this whole idea of like, you know, oh, I left that dress there in the closet. Don't worry, it never fit me. Belong to another ex. You keep it. All that stuff, which I thought was a bit like Relay. You said all the negative. You've, you've let out that bile of contempt. And you go, no, 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 no. I don't want to be in that chain of hate. I don't want to, I don't want to keep passing on the torch. I want to be good. And the same thing here, uh, you know, putting a positive spin on it, which I really, really liked. And that kind of sense of like self-awareness of knowing, of knowing when you've crossed the line feels for me kind of quite powerful. And I think the opening song is another one that I could see how you might find a bit difficult or problematic in some ways, because it, you know, in many ways it starts as this kind of quite, you know, got again, those warm piano arpeggios. And that's going back to what you said about Tori Amos. She is a classic trained pianist, but actually there's only three four songs where the piano really features uh instead she's allowed herself to be be led by these chants by this percussion um by these primitive garage band sound colleges that have been built up but this is this is this is a very inviting nice piece of music and one of the most poppy pieces of music you know it kind of welcomes you in but it's got this kind of like it rationalizes it talks about you know the the, the kind of madness and and size of the universe but then kind of somehow rationalizes not just Fiona Apple's existence in it, but her her immediate needs, and then obviously, you know, then kind of comes to that confessional, bang it, bite it, bruise it, and then what sounds like a kind of faux orgiastic close, and all this happens in like an opener, and this is this is the commercial bit of the album. So, yeah, this is pretty challenging, exciting stuff. So I I thought when I first heard I Want You to Love Me opening track, I thought, wow, I'm going to really love this album. I thought, yes, as an opener, I thought, yes, it's right on my street and I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. And I'm, you know, first time you're here for you, so just get your head around the lyrics, aren't you? But I thought well, there's more to go back to there and find out. So I genuinely, after track one was very hopeful, apart from the, the bit that made me just worry a bit was the last 10, 20 seconds, which I found this sort of, this sort of screechy waily bit at the end. Yeah. Very self-indulgent, <laughs> you know, just, and, I, and that was a kind of almost a warning shot across the bow for me. Uh, and then Jamaica was groovy and all good. And Fetch the Bolt Cutters itself is an all right laid back, chill song. And then, and then under the table we've done it. But then from there on, and, and you'll say, you know, I, I genuinely, I, I, you know, I guess the, the thing that could be thrown at me is, well, I'm just not getting its, its innovation and its, and its kind of, oh, it's too out there for me. I don't find it out there. I, I have a real Emperor's New Clothes thing about this. I don't genuinely, do you think people will be listening to this in 10 years time? I actually Googled on the back of this albums that are critically appraised at the time or thought to be critically brilliant at the time, but then aren't. Um, and what you get is a lot the other way. There's loads of people doing lists of, of, of albums that got bombed at the time critically and have turned out to be classics. I couldn't find a list of, of albums that were absolutely closed to the nines at the time. And 10 years later, people went, yeah, maybe we were a bit Emperor's New Clothes there. Uh, it doesn't seem to exist, but I do think this is going to, and you said at the beginning, right at the beginning, this is of its time. If you just take one thing of it being, you know, a, a, an album of, of, you know, you, you, you should be self, you know, self-expression. You should, you should be yourself. Fantastic. But people are still playing Gloria again as I am what I am, uh, 40 years after the event. I generally don't think they're going to be playing. I this. generally think they do. And I, I think you are overlooking the Sonic invention. And I remember the technology that allowed this to happen was been quite liberating. A lot of people have started making, music in their bedrooms and that that has been a bit of a trope Billie Eilish obviously is you know took took that to to the high so, so you know that thing you said about disintegration which was it was at its time with the medium and it was too too long because they were allowed to you know all of that they could do 72 minutes I think this really does suffer from a lack of producer or somebody in the room saying do you know what no that's not really 
that's not very interesting. I know you made a song out of it. I mean, we'll never know. And, and, and there could have been producers that would have done fascinating things with this music, but more than likely they would have made it more commodified, more predictable. Which it, uh, which is really interesting because because the word predictable is is I I find this deeply predictable music. Well, thing. okay, I, that's the I want you I, I want you to go this, away and yeah. listen properly to for her, which I do think is probably the well, no, certainly okay. the most musically, lyrically, and performance wise compelling thing. Uh, as I understand it, she recorded every single thing. This is this is all her. Uh, it's it's just her singing and drumming. And it isn't just one simple chant. It, it, I counted it moves through seven different melodies and beats. And okay. the story it paints is apparently based on something she was told by an abuse victim. Uh, but it starts this kind of playful, like playground, kind of like, look at And it's quite an impressive feat. It's like, it's award season. This has already changed two or whatever. And it never really repeats anything. It just gets more and more intense and the mood shifts and the beat. There's a bit where it very much takes on a hip hop backbeat, like a very primitive 80s kind of early hip hop. Um, that's the award season bit. And then you get the, like, the, you know, you should know, but you never know where it's at. And then the beat changes and then that, kicks in and becomes a refrain and that's when it gets darker and then i think what reaches i guess technically the sick the sick section where uh, you know the drum hits and it turns into this kind of barnyard kind of blue swamp kind of confrontation uh like guns are pulled and that's the that's when the kicking line which i don't know if i want to repeat comes out anyone knows the album comes and as if we're making sense of how this this great crime has taken place uh, then it kind of dissolves into these soaring synthy chorus of auto tune, just repeating "You were so high, you were so high," as if that's presumably the explanation offered for for what's occurred. And all this takes place in the space of two minutes and forty three seconds. It's a it's a veritable Bohemian Rhapsody of ambition, recorded by a single person in their bedroom. I think that that song alone is worth the asking price and should quash most of your concerns about lack of ability or lack of invention or lack of ambition because it's again unlike saying anything i've ever heard in my life before and it's thrilling musically it's thrilling emotionally and i think one thing we've really overlooked is the power of her voice and it's definitely thrilling in in well it's definitely very arresting in the lyrical content it delivers and for me that's the holy trinity there's a lot of music where which does one of two of those things uh you mentioned quarters of killer earlier one of the most impressive musical performances and you know but i don't give a shit about i i find those, those lyrics a little bit contrived but no no this does all three things and that happens very rarely in life uh, yeah, she's she's a really good voice. I, I get that entirely. I will go and um, I will I will redo for her. Can I ask you a question about the rhythm and the percussion? And because you you said earlier on that this you you described it as um, white pop music from California, and and it's just different for white pop music from California, and and I guess it it is. I mean, you know, I I know you listen to a lot of jazz. I I do, but not to the extent you do. Um, I, it's not my world, but kind of modern R and B, which you know is has a, has a huge amount of inventiveness around rhythmic elements of songs and how you play with rhythm. Do you honestly think this is more inventive than stuff you've listened to in jazz or, or modern R and B, or even I mean, for my sins, because I have a twelve year old and he makes me listen to Radio One, which is in the UK is the commercial radio station. I have to listen to every modern pop tune. And do you know the production these days on for, for rhythm sections because it's all you know digital and, and well precisely and it's incredible that 
It's incredible the rhythms, but but do you honestly think? Oh, yeah, I'm not. You know, all of the above taken as a whole. Do you honestly think the rhythmic element to this album is? Well, you obviously do. I I, I guess my my thought is that in relation to all of that lot, it really. I, I think you're missing the point. It's not that any single percussive part that's being laid down is in any sense virtuosic in fact quite the opposite and it's not even that the layering of simple polyrhythms over one another has never been done in western Mm. pop music although it's been done far more sparingly than you 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 might think i think it's the combination of the diy aesthetic the model instrumentation the, the layering the deeply personal um claustrophobia of it all that kind of effect hasn't really been conjured very much and i yeah i think if we're gonna point the finger tom waits and rain dogs and those those mid-80s trio of records Mm -hmm. that's definitely something of a precursor and probably an over influence yes there are far more virtuosically developed syncopated rhythms being played both by live afrobeat drummers and and being developed by by beat makers in fact all the most exciting beats being produced right now of course produced by beat makers that's what they do they they, they sit at a keyboard and conjure beats this is not what Mm -hmm. fiona dapple's doing and that's why it is inventive and exciting and i think if you're trying to argue that it's it's exciting because it's virtuosic you're missing the point it's exciting because it's taking elements that are not normally found in pop music blending them together in a primitive but very instinctive way and it all because it all hangs together with the tribal and kind of chanting that we've discussed and the the sheer emotional power of her voice and again the use of auto-tune so the idea of you know using heavily kind of synthesized vocals swirling over these kind of very kind of rattly diy percussion it's it's a combination that hasn't really existed and then when you throw in the urgency of the messages and the off-kilter delivery of lots of the vocals and the way that she can think very fast like this and did i go up and down or she can hold notes and do all these kind of i wouldn't say pyrotechnics because again they sound deliberately the antithesis of being technical for the sake of it but they clearly come from quite a deep honest profound uh, space and i think the audience can detect that intimacy and can af- detect that authenticity and that is what i mean i don't think it sounds or is delivered more importantly like most pop music and yes whilst there have been people on the fringes that may have been experimenting with handmade percussion and and, and chanting or, or whatnot um for an artist free and apple's stature to take this kind of risk and to pull it off you know, I, I do think it's a statement. And, and frankly, yeah, I haven't heard music that sounds anything quite like this. I can only say that I I, I didn't find that level of innovation. I just, it sounded like, uh, yeah, it just sounded like a not very inventive demo tape. But um, there you go. That's, that's, the, that's the joy of it, isn't it? So, Rob, um, clearly I haven't necessarily been grabbed by this. If you were to bring me into Fiona Apple's world more or somebody else has listened to this and loved it what else should they listen to uh, to be quite honest uh, I am in no way a Fiona Apple fan I completely came across this record amid the wave of critical hype uh, and fell for it um, having worked my way back she's released four prior albums over a 24 year period far from prolific the first couple came out in quick succession working with John Bryan I recall many songs written while she was still a teenager in her early 20s um, but I think this this kind of era of experimentation really began with the predecessor of this record which has a very long name but begins the Ida Wheel which I think is definitely you know it hints at a lot of the invention and certainly the certainly the authenticity and and the autobiography and everything that makes this album great is is definitely present in the Ida Wheel. And I think it's a 
also potentially modern classic so definitely if you liked this you would go and listen to the idol wheel sure and i think we just touched on Billie eilish to me uh, if we're looking at self-produced bedroom pop which of course is not what she's doing anymore but the first album uh, uh-huh. which obviously was largely her brother sonic textualizing and then her kind of confessional diary scraps to me that was again one of the most thrilling albums of the last five ten years and would only be a few places to behind fetch the both cards in my estimation oh no actually and i've got one more very legit uh, recommendation um uh, an artist who is a conventionally a jazz singer um cecile mclaurin salvant who is incredibly incredibly intuitive she won grammy or whatever at 23 um she's now on the album, album fifth or sixth and she's only in her early 30s but she's been increasingly delving in to you know she started off just singing the standard songbook but has been delving into more and more of her own composition and exploring exciting things like you know 800 years creole folk songs and all the rest of it but um her last record did feature some short musical interludes that in fact she recorded at her home uh, on garage band which are largely auto tune and synth and really show her developing her own voice as kind of like an indie art singer to a certain extent fantastic so, thank you, Rob, for introducing me to Fetch the Bolt Cutters, uh, an album I probably should know, but I honestly don't think I will be able to listen to again, but I will go and listen to for her. Um, um, so I guess none of this is going to make it onto the hipster Hot Daddy Barbecue playlist. <laughs> really not. Really not really even not. Shamika? <laughs> not even oh, ladies, no. ladies, ladies. <laughs> I do think. Oh, oh, we didn't get I into think that. that will go that, down well. Really, once you've once you've repeated the same word sixteen times, really. So, Dave, I'm really sorry, slightly disappointed uh, that you didn't dig that. I understand your reasons just a little bit more after having chatted to you about them for close to an hour. I suspect you want to get some revenge. What are we doing next? Okay. So I tell you what, Rob, I, I would really like to say that the next one is, and I've gone on about it here, Boys for Pele by Tori Amos. And the thing that's stopping me a little bit is it shouldn't be that just because two people um, share a gender and an instrument that we lump them together. But I think there is, a, you know, if if, if, I'd ne- if we'd never heard of Bob Dylan or Neil Young and, you know, you pitched a Neil Young album to me, I might well pitch a Bob Dylan one back again because I think there is enough... OK, we're, we're going to be doing... You know, an, th- there is yeah, a similarity. We're going to be doing enough there. groups of four or five white men playing guitars uh, at each other. So, sure, let's do it. OK, all right. So one of my top five albums, uh, Tori Amos' Boys for Pele, will be... Uh, the thing, and it is, I'm afraid, over 70 minutes long, uh, the thing that you will be listening to a lot until we record Fantastic. I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.